All right. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. What's up? So uh, this is another episode of The Full Set. I am your host X with the most X. My name is Didi, motherfucking Delgado. And I am here with my esteemed colleagues, none other than Kiki and Cass from Uppity Negress Podcast. Kiki and Cass, welcome. How are you? I'm excited. Yeah. Okay, y'all excited. Okay, I don't know why. Um, so, <laughs> so I want to introduce y'all because I really feel like it's important for people to know what information I have. Um, and I've been following y'all for quite some time, so I'm excited. I'll take I'll take your word. I'm excited. So this is episode number sixty-eight. First of all, um, and I want to read Kiki's bio first, and then I'll recast the bio. So Kiki Bryant, she her is a self-prescribed amateur social anthropologist, which we gonna talk about what that means, published <laughs> children's book author and illustrator and full stack designer who combines her love of visual art, technology and black women in all of her projects and services. Motivated by the incredible power that STEAM, we're going to talk about that too, has to drive social progress, Kiki infuses empathy and social awareness into her design process, creating more ethical and inclusive digital experiences in a field dominated by straight white men. Yuck. Her current focus... <laughs> Is, her current focus is creating truly safe ethical spaces on the internet for members of the Black community, especially Black women and Black LGBTQ plus folks. Boom. Kiki, welcome. And for Cass, Cass A. Osei, they, them pronouns, is a public health, we're going to talk about that first of all, a public health and administration scholar with expertise in and a passion for maternal health and environmental justice. They have over six years of interdisciplinary experience in population health, public policy, and administration. Their work seeks to develop and promote equitable strategies for diverse populations excluded in discussions of structural change and public health and policy. Their research focuses on the impact of collaborative governance between communities, local level advocacy organizations and local health departments on maternal health and mortality. But together, Kiki and Cass are Uppity Negro's podcast, and they are two thirds of the founders of The Cookout Online, the only invitation only social media platform exclusively by LGBTQ plus black women and exclusively for the black community. We about to drop these payment links <laughs> as, your pen, as your pen comment. Y'all welcome to the show. How y'all feeling? Impressive. That's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> that bio, like, I know, I know that it's us, but I'm impressed. <laughs> we do a lot of shit. We do a lot. Like of when stuff. a third person reads our bios, I'm sitting here like, wow, I'm the same. Yeah, it's like I obviously we know these things about ourselves, but like hearing somebody else say, it's like, whoa. <laughs> You're like, does this make it more valid? <laughs> it does. We gonna unpack that later, though. <laughs> That's valid too. So I just wanted to first thank you and let y'all know that my top is brought to you today from Fashion Nova because a basic bitch resides inside of the deepest depths of my soul. Also, I watched your tutorial. I wasn't going to put on makeup today, but I was encouraged by the $2 Ipsy concealer and primer that you, I said, I got to do something. So, so for reference, the video that she's talking about is um, last year, like two years ago, I did uh, a video called the Cheap Ass Bitch Survival Guide, yes. where I did a full face of makeup with like sample products and like 
beauty supply, like Asian beauty supply makeup. And that's what, that's what Didi is referencing. <laughs> it was amazing. I don't even know who I am anymore. So there is that. <laughs> so I just want to welcome you both and ask you like, how are y'all doing today? Like really doing like it's COVID season. <laughs> like you gotta, you gotta like break it up into like a monotony. Cause if not, it's just going to be looming over our heads forever. It's COVID season for the second time this year. Um, there's a global uprising. There's all this bullshit going on. White liberals are just out the gate and I want to have fun, fun, fun in the sun. So what does that look like when you want to be one place and do one thing and then we're here? So to answer your first question, how am I doing right now? I am kind of, I feel like I'm in arrested development, if that makes sense. Cause it's like, I'm, I'm one of the people where I'm fortunate that coming into COVID, I was already uh, self-employed and uh, COVID hasn't really had that much of an impact on my day-to-day -day outside of, you know, not really going outside as much or not down, dining out as much. But the more it sinks into me that this is our new normal, um, and is seemingly going to be a new normal because of American individualism and entitlement uh, for, a, for a while, that is really fucking depressing. <laughs> that is really fucking depressing. Um, so I, I've been unpacking what that means for, for me and my life and my industry. And um, it just fills me more with worry for the people that are in positions where they weren't as fortunate going into the pandemic as I am um, and, you know, employed by others. I know on the cookout, we have a lot of members who were immediately laid off, immediately laid off. Um, and that's fucked up. But one thing that I do love about COVID is that it has highlighted- One thing I do love about COVID, that needs know, to go on a shirt. <laughs> one, thing, one thing I do love about, about Miss Rona uh, is that she came in and she spotlighted all of the shit that was fucked up with all of these systems. And of course, Black women told you, but yes. it don't matter to some of these motherfuckers how much we tell them until they see it themselves. Um, and so- They're like, what do we do? I, I hope you motherfuckers <laughs> are paying attention and- making the changes that you need to make yes, uh, yes, yes. and advocating for the people you need to advocate for so um for me how am i doing i feel like we're so socially conditioned to say i'm fine i'm doing all right i'm okay all the time so for me whenever someone asks how am i doing that's my go-to response i don't even think about how i'm really doing but if i'm sitting here thinking about it honestly it's it's a shit show outside of this little bubble that I'm in in this home uh, where it's safe. But regardless of that, physically, I'm doing okay. And emotionally, I'm doing well. And spiritually, I'm aligned, you know. Ooh, spiritually aligned. <laughs> Come on, Sim. Come on, Sim. But like, Sunday. I can't say that for others who, you know, are in my circle who are struggling. And that weighs heavy on my heart personally because I am an empath so I take all that in which is probably not even good for me and you know I made a post on my own personal Facebook recently about how just really thinking about all of these stresses how is that going to impact my birthing outcomes 
because I'm always thinking about it, you know, how all of this impacts my body. It's wearing me down. Even if physically I look okay, internally, I'm being worn down. And that is just people about weathering, babe. What'd you say? I said school to folks about weathering. <laughs> so weathering now. What's weathering? <laughs> so weathering is um a concept, I believe I'm forgetting her name. I believe a black woman is the one who went ahead and coined that term. Um, but weathering is a concept that essentially says that even though physically you present as okay, the consistent accumulation of toxic stress from discrimination, racism, misogyny, all these things that you experience, particularly as a black woman, they are killing you from the inside. I feel personally attacked by this term. <laughs> and as a result, you are aging faster than what you present. And that has negative outcomes aging on, slower on the outside. What's that? Which is interesting because mostly we're aging slower on the outside. Right. On the outside, we fine as fuck. But on the inside, <laughs> <laughs> we like cysts. So we need to really evaluate what our social environment is doing to us, how right. it's impacting us, because ultimately it does inform our birthing outcomes. And with a lot of the work that I do, I'm looking at Black women and their maternal mortality, maternal health outcomes. Those who have high incomes or have high educational attainment or even live in the healthiest communities are still more likely to die of maternal outcomes as compared to a non-educated white person or a highly educated white person. So that right there is a harsh. Yeah, there are people in the comments agreeing with you and saying, you know, LaShondia said my mom, you know, wow. Yeah. So I want to get into y'all work because I feel like a, your work is like shaping a large part of your platform, right? And so I want to get into that. But first of all, how the two of y'all met, met in the first place? Like, how do y'all know each other? Is this an internet love story? Who catfish who? The, I spilled a tea. I want to do it. I want to do it. Can I do it? Go ahead. Okay. So Cassie and I actually met in high school. Um, I went to this high school up north, uh, north suburbs of Chicago uh, called Regina Dominican. And right down the street from Regina Dominican was Loyola Academy where Cassie went. And we met mm -hmm. one summer uh, where I went to summer school at Loyola Academy because I, at the time, lived in this group home um, and mm -hmm. they forced us to go to summer school, even though a bitch like me was never behind. Um, <laughs> I wish I had hair to flip, but like I was ready for it. Uh, so that's how Cassie and I uh, met. But at the time, we were both um, funny looking as fuck. Funny looking. <laughs> funny looking. We were both funny looking. And of it's course, me. when you're younger, you don't necessarily, you know, you may not know at the time that you're gay or how gay you are. Uh, so we didn't really talk because uh, we didn't know each other was gay. And we was not attracted to each other at that time, but- Oh wait, there's more to the story when you say at that <laughs> there, time. There's more, uh, but we kept in touch over Facebook, you know, over the years. Mm -hmm. Both of us got progressively cuter. Thank God for puberty came through. Sis did her thing, bless her. Um, and we, you know, started the Facebook flirting. Mm -hmm. And then one day- so Who I slid into whose DM? So Cassie slid into my DMs several times, but because I am stupid, 
and um, do not know when people you're are one flirting. of those people who cannot tell when you're flirting with her. I don't know I when you're flirting. I hate people like that. Like, look, bitch, I want you. <laughs> um, so romance. At one point, I was going to Toronto for Caribana, and she volunteered to come to Toronto with me because she was nearby. My dumb ass. I lived in Boston at the time. That's eight hours. in Boston? Yeah. not nearby. That is nearby. Come on now. That's not nearby Toronto. Boston is really by Toronto. Mind your business. Go ahead. It's (laughs) it's near everywhere. I'm from Boston. (laughs) Born and raised in Roxbury. Okay. (laughs) A lot of times when she was like offering to come see me and I'm like, okay. Never, never hit it back up. And then I posted a thirst trap in 2018 and she's like, I'm going to ask you out. And she actually asked me out. And I said, yes. So for all of you out there who are flirting openly with a dumb bitch like me, just fucking ask her out. Oh, hold on. (laughs) Can we go out on a date? Question mark. Thank you. Um, Cass, is this version of events from Kiki accurate? It is. It is accurate. (laughs) Like, it, was, like, it, was, um, it was actually 2017, not 2018. You're right. That's not, in, that sounds about right. You're right. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's actually how it happened. You know, the first time it was genuinely the first time I wanted to meet her in Toronto it was me just genuinely interested in and mind you, I was in a situationship at that oh, time. Messy. <laughs> a situationship. What's your sign, Cass? I'm a Taurus. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> wow. But um, it was, you know, I wasn't going to meet her under false pretenses and didn't really have any agenda. It was just, you know, hey, you said you're looking for somebody to take with you. I'm available. Um, and you know, at some point opportunity came, she posted a very attractive photo, commented under it and said, you know, you looking kind of good there, ma'am. And, um, I, I wasn't shy about DMs. There's another lesson in this. What's the other lesson? There's work. They do work. Look, I'm like, I'm taking notes. I don't already got (laughs) on the date question so we're gonna work on the third shot photo i gotta wait till i get my bundles in okay all right all right <laughs> i was living in another state but i was like you know i'm coming to chicago i'm coming into town and, and did you end up moving to chicago yeah ultimately uh i moved back to chicago so you gotta move for love it's inevitable you have we're to actually, right now in the same house. she's just upstairs what we're in the same house right now she's just upstairs okay COVID separation. Okay. He actually moved for me first because when I slid into her DMs, I was living in Kansas, which is a whole it's an interesting place to be. Um, but uh, were yeah. you going to school in Kansas? Yeah. Oh, that, that's why I was about to say it doesn't make sense. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So she she is finishing her PhD. She's at this point uh, everything but her dissertation. So. Is it is it a PhD in public health? In public administration. Okay. Which, you know, so her master's is in public health. 
we got to talk because yeah. I'm I'm doing a dual concentration. I'm going straight from my bachelor's. I, it took me three months to get 78 credits. Don't even ask. And so I'm going straight from my bachelor's directly into a dual program for MPH um, and MSW because I'm just tired of people giving me a ceiling to touch. So there's that. So, okay. All right. Beautiful Black LGBTQ love story. Kiss, kiss, hug, hug. Where the fuck did the Uppity Negros podcast come from out of this? February 2018. <laughs> so picture it, February 2018. Uh, we were we were guests on a friend's podcast together. Um, and that was not intentional. Like she was supposed to be a guest, but then I was just there. And then we just ended up kind of sort of taking it over. And they were like, huh, we could do this. And probably do this well. Um, and so I was at a stage in my life where I needed some sort of a creative um, outlet and that became Uppity Negress. And when we started the podcast, we didn't expect anybody really to follow us. We just expected to be screaming into the void, but here we are mm -hmm. now, two years and almost 40,000 followers later. And it's like, whoa, bitch. Wow, people actually like us. <laughs> I think y'all are amazing. And y'all talk about topics that like people wouldn't even dare to touch. Like um, I caught an episode one time. It was about, um, I want to say his name was Devante, the, the young black boy who was taken away and his siblings were also taken away from their mom. And then the two white women that adopted them killed them. Yes. And like, the way that y'all posited the conversation wasn't on the white women like everyone else was doing. Y'all were literally talking about- Criminalization of black motherhood. Yeah, like how this woman's motherhood got stripped away from her. Like, So I think that that was amazing. Could you talk about why it's particularly important because I know that y'all's podcast specifically focuses on and empowers, empowers black women and LGBT. LGBTQ, there's no liquor in the spray, I promise you. <laughs> LGBTQIA folks, um, and why you chose the name Uppity Negress to represent you. So um, we focus on us because no one else does. <laughs> we're, we're, we're LGBT plus women and our narratives are either uh, whitewashed like I when is the last time you saw a black lesbian in a show that did not have a white partner lean away no <laughs> I don't I don't know I yeah, don't know yeah, it, I can't call it yeah and, it, and it's like the times that our stories are being told they're being told wrong or they're being told through a lens that has been in some way diminished or whitewashed because most black folks end up with black folks. So I don't know how it ends up being that 50% or more black folks on TV have white partners. <laughs> like I- The lies, the lies. <laughs> uh, so we just wanted to make sure that our voices were heard in contemporary social consciousness because when you think of black consciousness, you think of ashy ass motherfuckers like Umar and um, Polite, all those old swindling ass niggas. And we got tired. Yeah, yeah. We got tired of them being the representation of what social uh, analysis of our community looked like because obviously they're sexist, they're, you know, 
anti-black in some ways a lot of them are cash. ashy don't ashy. use lotion um don't do not use lotion you know cracking at the elbows all of that mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and so we we decided that there needed to be media like ours out there and that if nobody else is going to make it we should um and that's where uppity negress came from and we chose uppity negress because um, we feel like it's fitting. Uh, we are at the intersection of like literally every segment of oppression in this country. Right. Uh, I, I'm neurodiverse. Cassie has scoliosis. So we also are both in different ways disabled. Um, and it's, we're always being told through whether it's directly or indirectly that we need to stay in our place or that that is there is a certain place that a black woman should hold and we say fuck that shit in the ass right oh um we're we're up in any risks we're not trying to fit into whatever little box society has decided was appropriate for us we decide what our place is and then we occupy it and that's what being an up in any is about and even though we haven't produced the podcast in a while Uppity Negress has sort of just become its own. It's like a brand. It's it's a brand that just represents everything that we wanted it to. And that's grown into the cookout app, which is a community, which is what we wanted when we started all of this was to just create safe space for people with ideas like ours and values like ours. And so to see how far we've gone with Uppity Negress in just two freaking years. Yeah that's it's insane and it's humbling and we we talk every day about how lucky we are and how blessed we are that people trust us um and a lot of that has to do with how transparent we are of course but it's it's really an honor to be trusted and representative of people like us and we do not take that for granted at all Thank you so much. I want to ask Cass, Cass, can you do me a favor? You could tell us a little bit more about your work and, you know, cause I'm extremely interested about your work in public health, public policy, and what your passion is for environmental justice. I also want to ask an addendum because I feel like a lot of black folks feel like environmental justice isn't for us. And so why would you, okay. I mean, I just came here to, to host the show. Why would you say um, that, like, how can you debunk that? So I'm going to answer that piece first. Okay. Um, It's interesting because the idea of environmental justice or environmentalism has been co-opted by white folk. I'm going to just say that. Because when we look at who's impacted when uh, things get gentrified, who's impacted by disparities because of what's going on in our environment, it's most likely black and brown people. And we are at the intersection of all these disparities. And to say that Black folks don't care about the environment when, in fact, that's not true, we just use different language to describe what's going on in the environment. So when, uh, when we're talking about, you know, um, I'm blanking on words. Recycling. Like, I think about... My mom used to always use the the country crock tub, and we had... Yeah. We, you didn't know if there was yeah. spaghetti in that shit, macaroni and cheese. We That's are recycling. so innovative. We know how to recycle. We got. We all got the cabinet with the bags in there, the bag cabinet. Like we don't throw that out. That gets reused. You know that cookie container got the sewing kits in there. 
we know how to be innovative with our products. The barrettes. <laughs> waste is privileged. Exactly. Yes. You need to be able to accumulate a bunch of things that you don't need exactly. to be able to throw them away, you know? Um, exactly. And given that we live in a lot of communities, unfortunately, where a lot of corporations dump shit in our spaces, we are always saying, you know, this is our space. Why are you doing these things? This is impacting our health. So naturally, we are inclined to really be moved by what's going on by environmentalism. And the concept of environmentalism, not a lot of people know this, really uh, was started a lot by the Black Panther movement. And the Black Panthers did a lot of, uh, for those who know some of the history, did a lot of community organizing at the beginning. And that was spearheaded by Black women who went in uh, taking care of the children, feeding the kids, all those things for the community, uh, doing a lot of the grassroots work. And with that, they really understood how their environment was changing because of white folks coming in, how the environment was changing because of, um, unfortunately later on, the crack epidemic that followed, how things were changing in their environment. And that is how they thought of environmentalism and environmental justice. And now white folks have turned it into this- Black folks thing. create everything. And I feel like white people just be like, Ugh. I'm Greta Thunberg. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I and said it, I don't give a fuck. Like, and that's the thing, if white folks have changed into this idea of, oh, let's save the lions. Let's, let's hug the trees. Save trees and all, which, fine. We all need to protect some shit, cool. But at the same time, look at what you're doing when you go ahead and import rice unnecessarily to countries like Haiti who have uh, who used to actually have a very strong export economy, and now they're just importing rice that they don't need, and you're destroying their agriculture because mm. of that. Let's talk about how you bring NGOs into countries like Ghana, for example, and force them to become import countries for things that they could grow on their own, but they can't any longer because you made them dependent. Thus, their environment is now changing. So they can't sell cocoa beans like they used to. Right. Let's talk about how there are campaigns to sterilize uh, people in different parts of Africa because the white folks have decided that the cause of the environmental problems are people having too many kids and not y'all overmining all their fork. All the like they didn't debunk eugenics exactly. 40 years ago. Exactly. <laughs> and that's one of the, uh, the movements going on within the bigger environmental sphere, which is population control, blaming traditional African communities for the increase in population growth because wow. uh, we're growing too much. So we're destroying the environment. When it's like capitalism, the system you built is what's destroying the environment, but you don't analyze that. Because realistically, there's enough resources for us all to live on this fucking planet. It's just, there are certain people who have decided that they own them and that they control them and that they decide how much everybody else gets and right. what they get in return for it. So the problem isn't that there's too many people because there's millions, if not billions of pounds of food wasted each year. I have um, an account with Imperfect Foods, right? Oh, do you like them? Oh, they're good. I do like them. I do like okay. them. Um, and if y'all want to check them out, I'm going to drop my reference. Yeah, I'm going to follow up. They also take um, for the but, 
but every imperfect foods is a business where they get all of the ugly food that would otherwise just go into the trash ugly, have, i meaning you know it's either oversized we can live for weeks at a time off of this food that would have been gone to trash and in each box that you get they accumulate like how much water you save how much um carbon footprint you save because that food was going to get thrown out. And so the problem isn't that there is too much of a population. The problem is motherfuckers have decided that profit is more important than people. Yeah. Bitches. That's wild. <laughs> so knowing that you work in these sectors, Cass, like, I mean, one of the questions my team sent to me was like, uh, <laughs> can you tell us if you feel these spaces have worked to be more inclusive to black women? I mean, that answer is no. So I'll ask the second question. Do you think the focus, <laughs> sorry team, do you think the focus and demographics of some of these sectors may be changing to be more accessible? I know that like with Alice coming out um, about like with nonprofits, right? And they're talking about education and health uh, disparities. Uh, it was specifically when it comes to black women and black children, but I mean, we are, like y'all said earlier, we already been talking about that because it's our lived experience, whatever. I don't know why I had to take a white person's report to finally come out and say, after tracking two years worth of data, we see black people are dying at a disproportionate rate and black maternal health rates have actually spiked. Like, you know, um, do you feel like this data is going to make a difference? What What is the responsibility of people who work in public health to make that difference? Let black women take the lead. Ooh, yeah. Somebody's shaking the table. <laughs> because this data actually started being accurately reported. Well, let me not say accurately because it's still inaccurate. This data actually started being publicly recorded in 1987. So it's fairly recent. And they've been consistently collecting data to confirm what we know, which is black women's uh, mortality rates are higher than any other racial or ethnic group, especially white women. So we know that lived experience, but we also know that, but they want more data consistently to prove what we already know. And a lot of what I've been seeing are very surface level or performative solutions, just to say we're helping black women. And I've had the fortunate opportunity to work in the philanthropic sector and really see how money is supposed to work, but doesn't work. It's mm -hmm. the way that it works is they dangle a little bit in front of these organizations who really want to do work. Grassroots folks who are just like, I'm about it. I wanna help this community because they need it. They'll dangle a little bit of money in front of them and then label it under programmatic uh, costs. Right. So that you can create a particular program for a set amount of time and once that time is up, that's it. You don't get funding anymore. There or goes you the funding. Or hope that you get funded again. And that's how they- I feel personally, personally attacked. Yes, that's how they, they hear it on the stick and to make sure that they consistently keep these disparities cycling. It, it, there's a way to stop it, but why would you when it's bringing in money? And mm. then they do this you thing make called- make a lot of money from poverty. Yes, there's a lot of money made off of poverty. Then they do this thing called impact investing, 
where they invest in social problems, real social problems in a way that they get a return back at the end of the fiscal year, double of what they uh, invested in. So it's these little things that they're able to do just to make sure that they get paid tenfold while these organizations continue to struggle looking for funding just for overhead. They can't even fund their staff, but just funding to keep the lights on. Right. And, you know, it's, it's really troubling to me that, and, and I, I feel as if the only solution is to just put black women at, ahead of this. And I'm in conversations now with black women across the states in California, in particular, where we're just trying to figure out how to gather a collaborative together to really have a conversation that is inclusive of us, our various spectrum of identity, and also puts us at these seats, if you will. Right. Because while there is a collaborative, the Black, Black Mamas Matter Alliance, which I love them dearly, all the folks that work there, shout out to y'all. We need to expand that and right. get our reach in different places. And I'm trying to figure out how to do that, who to connect with, because maybe one day I'll run in politics, who knows? But I'm trying to change the game. And to really do that, we need more Black women doing these Black things. Thank you so much for that. And Kiki, I want to follow up for you because I know that you work in, in and you are thrilled by STEAM, which I had to ask a clarifying question. I was like, is that a typo? Isn't it STEM? And I don't even know what STEM stands for. I just know it's some science shit okay. that they want more girls to do. Um, so what is STEAM? And can you tell us about um, how Black women are typically excluded from technology sector? Don't say nothing about Facebook. Say everything about Facebook. Go ahead. Um, girls, I could talk the rest of this uh, <laughs> webinar about Facebook, so let's not even <laughs> get me started. But STEAM is science, technology, um, engineering, art, and math. Okay. Um, a lot of people focus on all of those, but not art, just because those are the ones that are more tied to productivity that are going to keep the capitalistic machine running. But mm -hmm. I include art just because, um, well, not I, I didn't make the shit up, but I- You I were like, I created a whole new acronym. I, I created <laughs> art. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. um, but no, uh, I, I prefer STEAM just because I do a lot of science and technology and stuff. I'm a UX designer. I'm a graphic designer. But even though those are all very, very technical, it's, it's fucking art and I think it's art uh, <laughs> it's art and I am drawn to this field just because you know I have seen the work that people like you Dee Dee and like Creighton Lee yes yes nigga you 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 right there uh you and like Creighton mm -hmm. and um like Amy the work that you're able to do and the the funds that you're able to redistribute because of technology right? I think that prior to the advent of social media, Black folks knew that all these problems were happening, obviously. Right. We knew that we needed to try to get together to do something about it. But the way that technology has enabled um, Black women specifically um, to use those solutions in a democratized way that wouldn't have otherwise been available to us to create our own grassroots orgs and our own grassroots you know, solutions to these problems that we know are going on that are right. impacting us first and foremost. 
I think that that's beautiful. And that's definitely what drew me to this field. Um, it's what drew us to create the cookout app. Um, it's what I try to do in all of my work. Uh, so, yeah. What are both of y'all's opinions on the current state of affairs of the internet, social media, in relation to how, how our capacity has been able to create safe spaces for Black women and Black communities in general? Well, I feel like there's too many safe spaces for Black <laughs> men, but y'all don't want to have that conversation, but go ahead. Um, but <laughs> I, I think that it's interesting, right? Because you're a woman who like us is just sort of public you have a facebook page you get the fucking dumbass trolls you get you know attacks by groups of them all of that and you find that facebook and twitter and instagram all of they those, allow it all of those motherfuckers they just think that that's cool but do y'all know the dumbest shit i've ever gotten a ban for i told a white man no and nothing else and that was hate speech yeah, and i got a 30-day ban for that shit no and nothing else it is hate speech to tell a white man no, y'all. That's wild to and me. It was at that point that I realized, okay, we have been trying to use these tools to our own purposes and try to make them work, even though we know that Mark Zuckerberg is a fucking white supremacist Republican motherfucker who enabled election tampering. And he's, he's goofy because he don't dress like a Republican. So that's what's disarming. That's what's yeah. disarming. I'm not going to lie. Lizard, but that's neither here or there. That's neither here or there. Like, we're, we're aware of these things, obviously, but we're, we're on Facebook right now because it is a tool that we've come to use for our protest and, you know, different organizing and uh, redistribution of, of funds and all of that. And so how can we create a space that can enable all of those things with none of the fuck shit. Right. And that's what started us on the journey to creating the cookout app. So um, that's what I was going to ask you is like, what is it? How does it work? If it's invite only and the only one of its kind, how the fuck how, have I not received an invite? I mean, what's, what's happening behind the scenes? <laughs> so we haven't really been promoting it, right? Because we, we depend solely on word of mouth because we don't want any and everybody to know about us. We like being our own little gated community. We, we prefer to, to Facebook as the ghetto blue app. So if you see anybody, you <laughs> I've seen y'all say that. that street, that's that's because of me. Know that I touch their hearts. Um, <laughs> uh, but I forgot the damn question. <laughs> I said, "How come I didn't get no invite? And what is it? And how does it work?" So, so the way that the cookout works is every single person who comes into the community has either applied to be there, and when you apply, you have to be over eighteen. You have to be black. Um, you have to answer certain questions that give us an idea of your social, uh, political ideas. Okay. Don't want no fucking ashes. Um, and then from there, we manually review each person who applies to be a part of the app and we approve or deny them. Uh, we are only a year old. Uh, the cookout started a year ago on October 1st, uh, was the first time we opened our doors. Oh, wow. Um, so y'all coming up on an anniversary. We are. I actually made a joke today in the app that we need to shut the cookout down and start over because we inadvertently birthed a Libra. Mm. <laughs> That's foul. I got a Libra moon. <laughs> but, 
But yeah, so the cookout, we have had our community now. We have grown to 7,500 members, all beautiful Black folks from around the world. Okay. Um, and we over, we have had a total of seven posts reported in the past year because that's how cool everybody is. That's how curated the community is. Don't nobody be on that fuckery. Right. We've only had to remove two members in the past year. One of them because a member um, was in an abusive relationship with them. And we made the decision that, you know, we would just remove that person altogether. That way they don't have the opportunity to try to abuse anybody else and they don't make this person uncomfortable. And the second person we removed them because the community said he had to fucking go. Right, right. <laughs> and I think that the number one thing that I've taken away from creating the cookout and moderating it, because we moderate it the same way that we moderate any of our spaces on like Facebook and all of that, right. is it's not hard. It's really not hard to create um, truly safe social digital spaces because we are three working class LBGT plus Black women on a shoestring budget who are funding this project mostly out of our own pockets. Right. And we've fucking done it. We've fucking done it. So why the fuck can't Facebook, a multi-billion dollar company who literally pays people, thousands of people, why can't they? They don't want why, to. Why won't they? They don't want to. And so my our whole goal now is we've grown over the past year to now we have a team of 15 developers and they're all women and so the cookout is going to be the first platform that is owned and operated by women but also built by them because our mm. actual developers are women uh and that's pretty cool and we're gonna do a do y'all plan on stealing some of facebook's employees <laughs> Because there are there are a lot of black women that work for Facebook. I think I think if y'all know what I know, y'all read that letter. People who vote who work for Facebook on the cookout. So even folks that work at Facebook know that there's a need for a community like ours. I'm minding my business. Okay. <laughs> Look, I'm like I'm minding my business. Go ahead, Cass. But um, the community members have noticed too that there's a huge difference between being on other platforms like Facebook, Twitter. And then the cookout where it's like the cookout just feels safe like it's calm it's cool everybody knows everybody we kind of treat each other like cousins or extended family whereas on facebook you're always on guard trying to figure out who's who who's this ashy you know there's always drama that you are willing to see but on our on our page it's just no drama we all have a woke book on the cook on the cookout the the whole cookout is a woke book. A woke book. <laughs> but in a good way. None of the yeah, none of the crowd niggas who, who come to scam you on the cookout. Ooh, child, because I made a post and people was mad. I was like, let's just be honest, you know. What what post was it? I think I was like, I think I outed all the people who people have said, black women and non-men have said, have caused harm in the community. And I was like, why don't we talk about this? I said, I know why I don't talk about certain people who I know are on that list. I said, because they either contribute to me financially in some way, like big, big or whatever, or I know that person or I'm related to that person. I said, so we all have people in our closet. I said, I just want to know why we never having the bigger conversation. Like why it has to happen in silos here, here, here. And everybody was like, 
I cannot believe you published a list. And I was like, neither can I. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted a conversation. Like, what what do we say about people who are consistently move from space to space and do the same thing over and over again? What does that say about spaces we say we're curating for Black women? If you if you could honestly say you're so connected to a person who's causing harm, you're so connected to a person, just be honest and be like, listen, my survival depends on this person. Like, I can't call it sis. Like, you know what I'm saying? I said, and then we all understand. You trapped too, nigga. Like, you know what I'm saying? I said, but the fact that a lot of y'all don't even know each other and y'all are willing to protect these people is just beyond me. It's beyond me. I don't know. But- yeah, those are the types of people that we wouldn't let into the cookout. Actually, I had a hilarious situation yesterday. Will Adele get on get invited to the cookout before Absolutely me? Not. We're actually <laughs> in the process. We're actually in the process of trademarking the phrase "invited to the cookout." Okay. Just because we want to stop dumb motherfuckers from using it. Okay. All right. <laughs> um. What was the funny story? I'm sorry. Go ahead. About the post, uh, the nigga. Oh, I actually had a hilarious situation uh, yesterday where a person who, well, two different situations. So I've had a person apply to the cookout who once sent me a death threat. You were like, denied. Yeah, I was like, absolutely the fuck not. Um, And I said that, and that's an exact quote, absolutely the fuck not. And then I sent them a screenshot. And then yesterday we had a different person apply who had... um, out of nowhere just came to me on my comment with some intel rage calling me all types of like gold diggers and blah 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 because of my own dating preferences which were not specific or aimed at anybody and so I went back to the post and was like just so you know at ashy nigga um you you will not be in the cookout because this gold digging bitch is the owner of it right right you're like look at how <laughs> I created my own gold <laughs> People are weird. Um, a, a question that came up is, do y'all have cookout groups? Like, are there plate to go plates? Basically, what's happening? Absolutely, girl. Cornbread, collard grape. No, <laughs> no, there's groups on the cookout. Yeah, yeah, we have groups. Uh, the only thing about groups in our apps is that nobody else can make them currently, but we're in the process of developing, so people can create their own groups, create their own events. Uh, right now, the space is just mostly people who are tired of all of the fuck shit in the ways that the algorithm is designed to keep you mired in drama and stress the fuck out because that's going to get you your cortisol pumping and you, you know, staying on there for longer so you can see more ads and make them more money. And they're tired of that shit. And uh, a cool quote actually from a girl once she, she said, of course the cookout is chill. Isn't that what home is supposed to be? Mm. I think of that quote all the fucking time because like, that's why we do it, sis. Right. So I think in about, (laughs) you know, your question about why Facebook doesn't make uh, Facebook safe uh, for Black women and non-men. They've been doing cool Black folks graphics though, so. They they did what what wait what did you say? Like black folks graphics on their on their on their Facebook page for Facebook. So hopefully. I saw that. I was like they was like niggas. Do y'all need money here? We can help. <laughs> like that's basically what they said. But I I went to um 
I want to say it was called na Naked and, and Afraid or whatever, but that's not what it was called. It was called like Deliberate and Unafraid. And it was like last October, it was like me and like 20 other Black non-men who were invited by Facebook execs to come and talk to them. And I just feel like I respect the work that those Black women are trying to do, but I feel like it's systemic. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they can't sit here and tell me that it's, it's not an algorithm. It's the actual data science, right? And then like, and then be like, okay, but science, especially data science is racist because it is her heralded by white people. So um, how, and I was like, you know, some suggestions I would give is like, have it like plenty of fish, like have people put their intersections on. So that way, if there's a behavior that you're noticing, like a troll keeps coming on the pages of black femmes and non-men and like saying, you know, you monkey bitch or, or whatever the things people are saying, I was like, the behavior can be identified. Is this a black, a self-hating black person? Is this a white person impersonating a black person? You know, this, that, and they were just like, it's too much work. I was like, so it's easier to exile people because it's too much work to identify what the real problem is. Got it. So just they hate say, me. They hate me so say, much. Just <laughs> say that you don't give a fuck about us and stop pretending to. That's like, I was cool before like all the protests and stuff when Facebook just didn't even pretend to give a fuck about us. I was cool with that because I would love, I, I prefer like a known enemy to a, a, a frenemy like who right. you know, is trying to in your face and smiling, but also sis, I'll shoot you. Like, right. like, her. like, and Facebook is so passive aggressive to the black community. It's like, it's, it's, it's insulting. Like, do you, y'all think we stupid? Y'all right. think I'm stupid. That's what it is. You think I'm stupid. I'm very smart. I Speaking of how smart you are, I want you to talk to me more about your writing and illustrating for children. Cause I'm also trying to drop a book 2020. Oh, so I wrote, illustrated and published my children's book in a week. In a week. In a week. Crystal, I hope you're watching. Because Crystal I, I was like, it's going to take us two months. <laughs> I was like, I, dude. I, I woke up one day and I like drew a little scribble and I was like, this little, dude, she cute. I'm going to make her a book. And I did that. <laughs> uh, the name of my book is Lollipop Lola and the Power of Yet. And it's a fun little adventure uh, that teaches kids about having a growth mindset. And then in okay. the back, there's a parent guide with like guided questions to help little minds make the connections the book uh, wants them to. Uh, Catherine, can you do me a favor and drop that link? Um, where can where do you prefer people buy it from? Uh, it's available on Amazon currently. Okay. I'm ready to republish it indie, but um, Amazon Kindle Direct Publishing was the easiest route. But it's it's adorable. Um, I'm currently in the process of making Lola a doll. Okay. So what do you think, what do you think are some ways that people can talk to their children more about being anti-racist, you know, even Black folks, because we have a lot of embedded anti-Blackness in us. So we, my baby, I have a, I have a daughter, her name is Harley, she's seven. Um, I have been talking to her about Black issues literally since birth. Right. I, can, I can share a video from my Facebook page when Harley's like, one and a half and police are outside our windows doing something for the neighbors and she sees the siren she's like hello police in like her little baby voice and i'm like they don't trust you so you don't trust them right i've been telling egypt all cops are bad and people be like 
Yeah. And <laughs> so, I mean, from a very early age, you know, letting your kids know what the reality is, I think is smarter than raising them in this little bubble where those things don't exist. And then they start school and they get called the N word. And then right. I'm different. Like, you know, <laughs> I feel like that's much, that just makes more sense to me. Um, I do like self-love talks with my kid all the time. She has exclusively black dolls. We get her as many black books as she can, you know, watch as many black shows as she can and just inundate her with blackness to the point that that becomes the norm. Because I feel like, I don't know if any of you can relate, but when I was growing up, whiteness was the default, even in my black ass home. Right, right. You know, we, we had white dolls, white folks were on the TV and, you know. There was a white Jesus probably. There, there was a white Jesus in my grandma's. <laughs> she had like those walls of the mirrors with like the gold mosaics. I no, like black folks, no, she didn't. Yes, she did. Every black folk had them, <laughs> I feel like. And in the middle, she had took out one of the mirrors and there was a picture of white Jesus in the middle of her mirror. Was oh, there plastic <laughs> on the white couch is all I need to know. There was plastic on her blue couch. Okay. Yes. Yes. So, so what are some projects, events, goals, what have you that both of y'all are particularly excited about for the future? The year is 2021 and we might have a vaccine. What, like, what, what is Uppity Negers doing? Cass, would you like to go first? I feel like I've talked a lot. I talk a lot, y'all. Okay, I'm giving you the floor. Okay. Um, 2021, what do we expect? Definitely to bring back the podcast. We've had conversations about it here and there, you know, maybe we should bring it back. When can we bring it back? So I think We'll certainly bring it back with some good topics because a lot has happened and we have grown in a lot of ways in the time that we've had off from recording as well. So that's one of the bigger things. Another would be the relaunch at that point of the newest version of the cookout because we are working to develop and make it bigger and better than what it already is. Thanks to our team of phenomenal developers and the folks who have joined us on this ride to help us create this community is there do you do you feel like do you feel like when it was just y'all it was easier to manage absolutely not because why am I why am I wrong like I I feel like when it was just me I was getting stuff done so what what I I have learned to love delegating because (laughs) it's drag me (laughs) It's just too much. And I know because I'm very much so like that too. Like I want to do all the things myself, but delegating is beautiful. And if you're able to do it, do it. You deserve to not have to work all the time. There are times when we first started the cookout where I would work 20 hours and sleep four. That's not, I mean, I, I loved it. I loved it. If I had to, I would probably do it again. Uh, especially since at that time I wasn't able to delegate but now you know even though I still have a a slightly longer work day of of 10 hours I I get to have a full eight of sleep you know I get to spend time with with Cass and with our daughter and you know so I know that in this society we're like taught to value productivity over having a healthy work-life balance 
uh, especially as black women, because right. we have to do all of the fucking things all of the time for every fucking one. But if we don't have to, we shouldn't. Like if nobody is going to die, <laughs> if you mm. don't spend 20 hours a day doing this thing, fuck them. Uh, put that on a t-shirt. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, some of my followers are asking where can they find y'all online so I definitely put um, in the description y'all's social media um, and the cookout is it the cookout.club yeah. yeah that's the website Yeah. okay all right and then also you can find Uppity Negress on Instagram and Facebook at both at Uppity Negress podcast there's some underscores there. Y'all gonna have to figure it out so, or read the description. Thank you. And also the Cookout app has its own Facebook and Insta too that you can follow. And uh, since the Cookout is actually one, we do have a fundraiser going on as our birthday present uh, for the Cookout, uh, even though it's a Libra. Even though it's a Libra, you gotta give that Libra <laughs> some love though. You gotta give that Libra some love. So this is my second to last question. It's a question, um, actually it's my two-prong question. It's a question I ask everybody. Um, I wanted to talk about pick-me's. I wanted to talk about all sorts of things, but it didn't feel right. Um, so what are some questions, one, that you wish I had asked and two, who would you like to see as a guest in the future? Everybody gets emotional at this part. I love it. <laughs> um, that's tough. Yeah, right? Like, was there anything that you were like, oh, shit, Dee didn't bring this up, or we wanted to really talk about this, or, or whatever, what have you? I don't know. I feel like you did a really good job at touching on art. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I think you did a good job at touching on our interest in letting us talk about the things that are that are important to us at this point in time in our life. So I'm I don't have an answer for the first question. What about you, babe? Yeah, I don't. I guess perhaps asking where we see ourselves growing pers uh, personally. Where do we see ourselves going? I know we've talked about our brand and the projects. Personally, where do you see yourselves going? <laughs> Um, for me personally, um, I have my design business, um, called Anu Design, A-A-N-U Design.com. Um, and I love it. Um, I do a lot of work with helping black women entrepreneurs build their own businesses. Uh, my main client right now is actually a cosmetics brand. I'm helping get it out the ground called, uh, Cam Ready Cosmetics. Search okay. that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I love being able to help other black women bring their brand visions to life. Uh, that's definitely work that fulfills me. So regardless of what happens with the cookout and, you know, all of those, even though I love those two, that's my, my love, um, it's, you know, black women business development and helping them, you know, have accessible, good design because so many black businesses do not have good design heard <laughs> do, do not um so that's that's probably where i'll be personally um and then one day when when cassie runs for a government office i'll be a first lady and when yes PhD, i'll be mrs doctor um and so i'm i'm just gonna be like full trophy wife realness is is the goal 
I love it. I love to see it. Cass, what about you? Certainly right now, the goal is to complete the PhD, which you know, I'm, I'm ready to be done. And what year are you? Too long. I am in, oof. You're in your third year. Yes, third year. Wow, God bless third you. <laughs> third year out of five. So I'm hoping to get out very, very soon. Um, and then after that, um, I've given myself two three potential paths, actually. One would be to move up in the position that I'm in for the organization that I currently work for, um, because we do a lot of good community work through research. However, I feel as if it's never enough because right. Black women's voices are still missing in that space, even though the team is diverse. Um, the second avenue would be politics, but then again, I don't know how I feel about having my life being all up in everybody's business, you know, even though I don't have anything to hide. I'm pretty I feel like I, I don't got nothing, right. but still, like I don't want so, y'all in it. Right. Third would be to probably pursue an independent career as a consultant and a public speaker because it's what I do and I would love to really help in some way bring Black women some form of justice through health equity because that's that's the field that I know best. That's what I'm strongest at. And if I can get something started, a collaborative of some sort, just going to do it. Did you know that if you want to be starting something, then you got to be starting something? I feel like I've heard those words before. <laughs> I just made those up right now myself. Like you did, Steve. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, so uh, thank you, Dre Dixon, for putting up um, Kiki's website, aanu.com. Y'all are so loving. It's not even funny. So with that, I just want to thank you both for coming on this show. I feel like you've made it another wonderful episode of The Full Set. Y'all got any tips? Cause I'm just like making all this great content. It just doesn't make sense how many amazing individuals I have on here and I'd be having like no viewerships. Um, on Facebook, yeah, whatever. But like once it goes to podcasts, people are not excited about it anymore. So I don't know what's going on, but we'll figure it out. So I hope that both of you have a great evening. Um, please look out, be on the lookout for a deposit. That's for y'all both to split or however the plot goes in this household. Um, and I appreciate both of you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having us. This was really fun. Yeah. Thank us. Thank us. Appreciate you. All right. I appreciate y'all too. And y'all, everyone have a great night. Thank you.